Welcome to Questions and Ethics with Russell Moore, where we apply the gospel of the kingdom to cultural issues and your questions about the Christian life. And now, here's your host. Hello, this is Questions and Ethics, and I'm Russell Moore. This is the program where we take your questions about ethical and moral issues and try to look at them from a gospel perspective. We're recording today here in the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission studios, and the question I have today isn't uh, so much about an ethical issue as it is about a, a theological one, but it has to do with something that's happening in the culture right now. Here's the question. Dear Dr. Moore, I went to see the movie Noah, and it got me to thinking... Who do you think the Nephilim in Genesis 6 were? And that's a question that I get a lot when, when I used to guest host a radio program. We would have a, a day where people could, could ask whatever questions they wanted. A lot of people, it seems, would ask this question uh, repeatedly. And like you, uh, I went to see uh, the movie Noah, and I was, I was really, to be honest, disappointed in the Nephilim uh, in the movie. I'm not one of those guys screaming and carrying on, don't go see Noah. Uh, Noah does have places in it, or actually a lot of it, that, that doesn't cohere with the biblical text. But I don't see it as a Christian presentation of the Noah story. I just see it as a, a point of view on the Noah story in a movie. But the Nephilim uh, in the movie, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, they're, they're kind of big rock transformers. And so they're, they're, they're angels of light that are trapped in these, these rock facades or, or external uh, skeletons, and they, they lumber about. And in the movie, the Nephilim are presented as sort of uh, good guys. Uh, they're, they're the ones who are they're, they're standing with Adam in the fall or trying to protect him after the fall, and then they're, they're helping to build the ark. They're guarding uh, the ark and guarding Noah and the family from people who are trying to assault the ark. But this is based upon something found in the Scripture in Genesis chapter 6, right before the account of the flood, and this is what the Scripture says. When man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose." Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, and his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them, these were the mighty men who were of old, the men of great renown. Now that, that's the text. And so we have that text, and then we have some, a few other texts that may or may not illuminate that. And that's really all, all we have. And there are really two ways that this has been interpreted in, in the history of, of the church, and then before that in the history of uh, Israel. One of these is that the, the daughters of men is the line of, of Seth. The, the sons of God are the people of Seth, the line of, of the faithful line coming from Adam, and that the daughters of men are the line of Cain. And so the, the problem then is that there are people who are part of the covenant people of God, marrying with people who are outside of the covenant. And the reason that that argument is persuasive to a lot of people is because this problem shows up in the history of Israel, of course, with the people of Israel marrying with those who are outside of the faith, people who don't know Israel's God, who follow after other gods. But the second view, uh, and the view that I think is, is probably more plausible, 
uh, biblically, even though it's implausible in a naturalistic uh, sort of uh, mindset that we see around us in the current age, is the idea that the sons of God are angelic beings. Uh, that language is used uh, elsewhere in, in the Scriptures. The sons of God shout for joy, uh, the Scripture says. The, the sons of God, that counsel of uh, the angels that we see in Job and in, in other places, that this was some kind of a, a transgressing of the boundaries between the angelic and, and the human. Now, in the Noah movie, uh, these are angelic beings but uh, it's, it's not clear to me that there's, there's any sort of connection between them and the, the daughters of man. Uh, instead, it's just angels who are now connected somehow with the earth and with the, the elements of the earth. But the, the reason that this argument is, is plausible to me, and I think the most plausible, is because uh, the Scripture references in some mysterious places this event. First Peter chapter 3, for instance, talks about the, the spirits in prison. Jude and Peter talk about those angels who did not keep their original estate. And of course, there's a, a long tradition, a Jewish tradition, of the watchers, uh, that, that language did show up in the, in the Noah movie, of the watchers of those angelic beings who are serving as... Um, as, as principalities and powers, transgressing those boundaries uh, somehow with humanity. And the result is then these men of great renown, these mysterious figures uh, found uh, before the flood. So that's one of those things that uh, the Scripture doesn't speak to uh, with the same sort of clarity that it speaks to other things. And so it's something that I would say we shouldn't speculate about all that much. But we do need to say that the Scripture clearly teaches us that there are angelic beings. Scripture clearly teaches us that there are evil angelic beings. And the Scripture tells us that God judges wickedness, uh, and He judges wickedness, human uh, and uh, angelic, in terms of, uh, in the Genesis account, uh, judging human wickedness through a, a flood, washing away wickedness with water, and that there will be a second judgment that happens upon the earth, not with water, but the fire next time, as the saying goes. And so I think that uh, that's what we need to keep in mind. So with the Noah movie, we can have disagreements about whether or not someone ought to see the Noah movie, but the very fact that, that we're having this sort of conversation, which I've had with some unbelievers who are asking about the Noah movie, well, what do you think uh, about this? And what about those rock monsters? Uh, what are they? Uh, is that really in the Bible? It's a good opportunity to engage the people around you about the biblical text and say, well, if you're interested in the Noah movie, actually the, the original version is, is even more interesting. And let me share that with you, which gives you then the opportunity to talk about what the Scripture says, which is that uh, this, this flood is prefigured by baptism, by those who find deliverance from the judgment of God by being found in Christ, which is signified in baptism, First Peter chapter 3. That's a good opportunity to share the gospel.
What's your question? Send me whatever is on your mind to questions at erlc.com. Maybe it's a situation that you're dealing with uh, in your in your home or in your family or in your workplace. Maybe it's something that you're seeing show up in culture, or or maybe it's something like this question that you're, you're reading in the Bible and you're saying, I'm, I'm not sure how to interpret this or how to understand it. And we'll talk about it here on Questions and Ethics. See you next time. This is Russell Moore. If you'd like to submit a question, email us at questions at erlc.com. That's questions at erlc.com. Or on Twitter and Facebook, use the hashtag AskRDM. Thanks for listening to the Questions and Ethics podcast with Russell Moore. To check out future broadcasts, subscribe via iTunes or visit us on erlc.com.